questions are these. How are producers like you, who did not get hand-selected as a new all-star on an established record label, able to get music into the hands of true fans while taking your career to the next level? How are we able to take our tracks and projects we believe in out into the world for pay and still stay true to our creative vision? These are the questions and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Kay Brown and this is You're With The DJ, co-hosted by Nikki Berry. Hey y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of You're With The DJ on the Fade In Network. In our most recent episode, we chatted with Kalina Sanders about her new tune with Bijou. Today, we are chatting with Chad Jeffers on life on the road, routines, rituals, and music business. Could you give our listeners a little background about you? Uh, Yes, I grew up in East Tennessee and I grew up in a music family. I moved to Nashville in 1994, long time ago. (laughs) And uh, I went to school at Belmont University, and there I got a degree in music business and another one in marketing. The music business side was actually more about product development, so being a studio engineer and producing and um but of course along with the business side i had to you know i took copyright law and publishing and different things like that uh right out of right out of college i got my first gig on the road and um it, it that was in 1998 and then from then on it was um just you know that, that was my life is being a touring musician and then eventually getting into the studio, being a studio musician. Um, but, but definitely touring has been my primary um, outlet for music and um, and also songwriting. Um, somewhere along the way, uh, my band, we got signed to RCA. Mm-hmm. And so we made uh, two or three albums and it was amazing. Um to, you know, not only just in terms of networking, but also songwriting and learning more about production. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then eventually I got the call from Carrie Underwood to go out and tour with her. And so here we are 13 years later, right. <laughs> and, uh, still going strong. So awesome. So with being a touring mus- musician, could you give us, um, what advice I guess would you give people who are just starting out, um, when they're getting ready to start a life on the road? Um, I I think there's, for me, a lot of it is knowing yourself and understanding who you are, because if you don't have the values before you start touring, um, you can get in a heap of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And, you you know, I I believe that there's a lot in terms of, um, you know, and also having a routine in terms of your health and um, mentally and physically and, and even spiritually uh, prior to, to being on the road. And I know that some of this may sound very goody two shoes and all that kind of stuff, but <laughs> but it, it definitely you can lose your moral compass when you get on the road. And um, and I, I think it's also important to to be on tours where there are solid people around you. Um, as a, a famous quote by Jim Rowan, uh, Jim Rowan, who's a, uh, you know, kind of a self-help guru, you know, he said that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. 
if you're if you're with a bunch of solid you know people it's going to you're going to have to bring your game up and this is also this has been both personally and also as a musician Mm -hmm. um as i've been in bands where the the musicianship level is much greater then Mm -hmm. i i had to step it up and that's that's one thing that has drastically improved my musicianship is Mm -hmm. playing with better musicians absolutely Hmm. i think that's really solid advice how do you prepare for peak performance Peak performance, it, it starts much, uh, much earlier than right before you walk on stage. Peak performance for me is preparation. And that kind of, that's one thing that apparently a lot of people, that's one of the, my reputation <laughs> <laughs> parts about me is that, um, I'm always prepared and usually overly prepared. Um, and I, I believe that that is one thing that helps dramatically in terms of peak performance, because if you know, you, you know, very well, the, the music and as uh, Charlie Parker, who famous musician, he always said, uh, you know, you need to practice, practice, practice. And then whenever you hit the stage, basically you forget it all and you just wail because you you've, it's all internal. And you're not, it's not cerebral in terms of you thinking about your performance. It is actually just being there and connecting with the audience because the more, you know, your music and you've prepared, the more you can interact with people and the better experience it is for everybody. Absolutely. I actually wanted to ask you, um, you, since you did go to school for music business, you know, I've kind of have this similar education, but I'm not a musician. How do you, and a lot of people ask me, you know, how does that give me a leg up in the industry? How does it give you kind of a leg up in the industry as a musician as well? Uh, there's a lot of different ways I could answer this because one, it is somewhat of a double-edged sword right. as a musician. Uh, most of the time I, I don't normally listen to pop country you know, if, if I'm sitting here at the house, that's not what I'm, I'm listening to. And therefore a lot of times whenever I'm making business decisions, I can't be thinking, well, what would I listen to? Yeah. Because that's not the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, I think sometimes as a musician and not, not only just the genre of music, but I think a lot of times as a, as a musician, we get so deep into the weeds of the production and, and like, oh my gosh, listen to how that guitar sounds or that snare sounds amazing. The vocals sound, whereas a normal person buying the music is like, does this song connect with me? Mm-hmm. You know, they're not listening to all those other little intricate details that a musician would. And I think that one thing that's helped me as a producer is to, to be able to look at music and a song or, or um, a record as it may be and look at it from the 30,000 foot view as opposed to being a musician like in with with the actual production itself. And I think sometimes as a non-musician, you have a little bit more um, objectivity in terms of saying, oh, that song connects with me or no, that song does not, as opposed to you know, dude, those guitar tones are amazing. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. Definitely. So, yeah. So I, I, just because you're not a musician, I mean, that, I mean, that doesn't mean, um, in terms of the music business side of it, 
um, you still have your place where you can definitely help promote the music and, you know, and get it out there to people. Yeah, definitely. Kind of going off that, too. You were kind of making music in the 90s where the landscape of the industry looked so different. You had to be signed to a label to kind of get your music distributed. Mm -hmm. What's it been like kind of going through that? compared to what it is like today. Yeah. And, and even on into the early two thousands, um, my band, we got signed in 2001 and this time country, what they told us, what the, some of the major labels told us is that people are still on dial up. So they're not going (laughs) to download music anytime soon. Oh, okay. I mean, literally. And so it was still CD physical product driven, and man, were they wrong, yeah. you know, because technology really took a, a giant leap in terms of where people could download, you know, where high speed Internet and everything else started coming along. So uh, but yeah, at the time, you know, the, the record labels were the bank. I mean, that's what that I mean, that's pretty much all you're, you're looking for them as the bank and the distribution and maybe promotion. Mm-hmm. And as as more of the digital age kicked in more of the labels were like, well, I mean, they want the bands to be doing the promotion because once again, it's that one to one person. It's that, that connection with the fan as opposed to running it through a label and then them doing a focus group, seeing if what they're saying seems good and seeing if 30 people agree that, Oh, that's the direction we need to go. And it was by committee, you know, music was by a committee and not necessarily from the artist to the listener. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's been the biggest change in the music business is that it's you, you have access to the artist and the artist has access directly to the fans. And I think that that's why um, music, especially in terms of lyrically can be a little more pure now than what it used to be. Um, You know, especially back when, and when I say used to be back in the commercially driven, driven major labels and, and in that sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been weird. <laughs> it's been interesting to see. Yeah. Because I mean, at for an, uh, an artist to get their music out there, they almost had to have a label if you mm-hmm. wanted to do the, the large numbers, exactly. because for an individual to pony up the money to yeah. print up even 10,000 units at the time, because even printing up was, was expensive, yeah. um, you know, printing CDs and everything. Um, and, and you had to have a bank of some sort. And so it's either a label or an investor, which always gets weird yeah. uh, or almost always. <laughs> um, and so it was always the label that was usually the, the go to for most people um, yeah. to get that that income. But along with that, there are strings attached where mm-hmm. they're also helping you make decisions, creative decisions and um, and guiding your career. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Could you tell us a bit about your creative rituals or routines that you have? Yes, I there's a couple of things that I have that are ongoing, that are constant Um, every day. uh, Let me back up. When I was in college, I read a book called The Artist Way. Uh, which I don't know if it's written by Julia Cameron, you can find it on Amazon. And it is, if you're looking to go more of the creative route, um, to me, it, it's kind of the Holy grail to, to unlocking a lot of your creative, um, potential. 
and whether that's as a writer, as a musician, as a, an artist, like a painter artist or anything like that, it is one of the best books that I've, I've ever found. Part of that is a daily ritual of writing in a journal, three pages, notebook size pages, three pages a day. And most yeah. people go, gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> I don't know what I have to say in three pages. And that's somewhat of the point of this is mm. it, it's pen to paper, not not typing it on on a laptop or or whatever you've got. Um, it is literally pen to paper, old fashioned writing it out. And it's to the point where, you know, when you know you get to that that point where you're stuck, some people say writer's block or whatever, but it is when you're stuck, you're like, OK, I don't have anything else to say. Well, you write that. I don't have anything else to say. What else? What else? What else? <laughs> and Julia Cameron, one thing that she talks about in the book is you're going through junk. There's junk. Mm. junk. It's like uh, sh uh, sifting for gold. You know, there's a lot of dirt, a lot of dirt, a lot of dirt. <laughs> then all of a sudden you see a little speck of gold. You're like, holy cow. And it's the same thing with writing. There's junk, junk, junk. And then all of a sudden there's an idea. Mm. And sometimes it's also whenever you've had... Um, you know, maybe a, a challenge that you have. So you write the write it out as a question. And it's amazing how through writing, sometimes you answer your own challenge. <laughs> and so that is definitely one of the rituals that I have ongoing. And that also helps get just junk out of my head in terms of stuff that doesn't need to be there. So when I am creative, I'm not having to, to sift through all this other um, needless amount of just junk. Um, so that's something that I do every day in terms of, uh, especially whenever I songwrite or, uh, record, there are some, some, I, I try to get in a meditative state. Uh, a lot of times I record, uh, here at, in my home studio. So I've got control over my environment. Yeah. And a lot of the times that is, um, you know, putting on, um, one of my favorite kind of chill out bands is hammock. And uh, it, it just it will totally get you in a creative space. Um, and so that's normally what I that's one of my rituals on the days that I am creating is no news, no news, <laughs> yeah. no social media. Um, yeah. Usually I don't even open my computer um, or connect to the Internet. Mm -hmm. You know, I just open the computer for for my notes, you know, to take notes on. Um you know, is, is kind of block out as much as that as I can. Yeah. And so that, that's pretty much my only ritual. I've known certain songwriters that they have um, a ritual of the same cereal mm -hmm. that they'll eat in the morning, uh, the same amount of milk, like they measure and they, um, same amount of like five or 10 minutes of reading a newspaper or whatever. Um, like they have everything down to, you know, very minuscule, like this is or detailed of what they do. Um, I'm not that person, <laughs> but I, I do, I do see the value in having a ritual of some sort to, it's a lot like, uh, sometimes people have a ritual before they go to bed and, you know, like 30 minutes before they, they lay down in bed. So there, there's, there's something to prepare, to prepare the mind and the body to get you in that, that state of what, of what you're about to do. Hmm. Um, I come from like a, like more of like an athlete background, but I definitely relate to like that a lot. Um, you know, like it's game day. This is what we eat. Yes. This is what we do. These are the things we don't do. Like, yeah. Yes. And it's just getting that 
And, and when we're touring on the road, we have that as well. You know, we're, yeah. you know, on a show day, you know, we have our sound check um, every day at, you know, two or three o'clock, depending on where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then we have, um, you know, catering. And then sometimes uh, some of us will take like a 30 minute nap and, you know, all those different things. And and people are like, oh, that's so cute. You take a nap. But <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. That's 100%. <laughs> the thing about it is, you know, at, you know, nine o'clock, mm-hmm. that's the start of our work day. Right. And so for exactly. us, you know, you've got to be on and you can't be on stage yawning and, you know, looking at your watch. And like, yeah. you know, you, you got to be on. And so um, and even before we go on stage, you know, we have a time where we all hang out together and share funny stories about something that's happened that day. You know, as we travel around the world, you know, hey, dude, did you guys check out this in this town or or, you know, um, or did you go do anything fun? So we're always talking about that to get it lighthearted to get us prepared for when we hit the stage. Where's your favorite place you've ever performed? Oh my gosh. I mean, you had the, to pick one. There's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of different reasons. There's a lot of different places for different reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, Australia has always mm. been such a fun time in yeah. terms of certain venues. Um, Royal Albert hall has to definitely be at the top as well as red rocks. Mm-hmm. Red Rocks yeah. is a, at the top and the Ryman auditorium, which mm-hmm. is here in Nashville. It's small. Yeah. It's very intimate. And it's it's uh, it's definitely one that, at the top of my list. Very cool. Very special. What advice would you give musicians who are early on in their career? Early on in their career? Um, you know, the music business. And, and this goes kind of across the board with with the music business and as well as many other businesses. Um, it's all about people and it's a relationship business. And for early on starting out, it's about building your network. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because you can be the best guitar player or musician, whatever in the world. And if the only thing you do is sit in your bedroom and practice, then nobody's going to know it. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to get out. You've got to go. um preferably to where the music is uh, early on. That's, that's one thing that, that my dad told my brother and me, my brother, who's also a professional musician. He's like, you know, cause we lived in, in East Tennessee. So it's four and a half hours, five hours from Nashville. And, you know, my dad, who was a singer songwriter, he said, you know, if you're going to do this music thing, you've got to go to where it's at. So for us, country music, well, it's Nashville. If, if it's more rock pop, it's also now it is more Nashville at the time. It wasn't so much, but if, you know, uh, you know, if you want to do rock pop, go to New York, go to LA, but you've got to go to where other musicians, other people that are doing it professionally are, and you've got to get in the network of all of those people. Um, if you want to do this thing professionally, if you want to do this as a hobby, that's great too. And you can do that in whatever town you live in. Um, but I'm just talking more if, if someone wants to do this as a career and my advice to young musicians is create the network, create the, the, the synergy of musicians that you can be around where you guys are bouncing ideas off of each other and playing on each other's projects, um, playing out together, um, you know, and, and also just kind of watching out after each other, you know, Hey, I, you know, heard that there's a drummer needed over here. You need to check that out, you know, and help getting at each other gigs and getting each other connected. But it does come down to relationships and it does come down to helping one another out. 
you're still in Nashville, right? I am. Yes. Nashville has like exploded. Yeah, it has. <laughs> Insane. Like my dad went to Vanderbilt. Oh, cool. In, in the seventies. Yeah. Um, and then we went back recently, like maybe three years ago. My best friend got married at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, I used to and work we, there. Yeah, <laughs> we drove in and he was like, oh, my God, I don't even recognize this place. I mean, it was unbelievable. It's really, really cool. And everybody should go there at least once. <laughs> it is. It, it is an amazing place. It's an amazing place to, to live and for those to visit. Um, it, it's really cool. And there is like all genres of music here. Yeah. It, it is yeah. not just country. A lot of people just think of Nashville as just the country town, but there's a lot <laughs> of rock. There's a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, pop classical. There's everything. Yeah, definitely. It's very cool. <laughs> what songs have you been looking to lately for inspiration or getting recentered these days? Songs that get me recentered. Um, well, once again, I mentioned hammock earlier. Um, they're, they're, and that's especially it, it's more uh, theirs is more ambient style music, which I listen to a lot of ambient style music in general. Um, Beck is one that I'm, I always go to um, uh, all of his his work. I mean, I, I just think he's he's great. Some of his uh, like morning phase and um, um, what is it? Sea change, even like the, the more mellow ones. And also I go to the classics, um, you know, whether it's. Uh, Pink Floyd or, um, you know, some of the older school style um, artists. But, you know, I, I'm, I always, no matter what I'm listening to, I'm always finding different things back to being in the weeds as a musician and as a songwriter. You know, I'm, I always, you know, I hear a lyric and I'm like, ooh, wow, man, that lyric, there's something about it that really speaks to me. Why is that? And there's many times I'll write it down and I'll look at it. I'm like, those words that go together, that's, and I, I've had the honor of, of, and privilege of writing with some lyricists, like mm -hmm. real lyricists. Um, one particular Pat Bunch, um, she's now, she's in her late seventies and, um, just, you know, Grammy award winning and hit after hit. And she doesn't sing. She doesn't play an instrument. Wow. Um, you know, it's just lyrics and watching her work sometimes. And as we're writing songs together and just seeing her process of putting words together and how were or like how a phrase will, will bring an emotion just in how yeah. she arranges it to me, that is absolutely fascinating. <laughs> and so whenever I listen to other um, you know, like people like Bob Dylan and when you hear certain lyrics and John Prine, who unfortunately we just lost recently to COVID, um, you know, hearing some of their lyrics and and it there's something there where it just triggers something in me. I'm like, that is amazing that I will, you know, jot it down. Also, throughout my house, I have, you know, guitars or kind of in every room. And so whenever <laughs> I hear something and I'm, you know, same thing, but with music, I'm like, there's something about that chord structure. And there's something about that melodic structure that really fascinates me. I'll just grab a guitar, drop whatever I'm doing, grab a guitar and work it out and work that and see how that is constructed. And um, to me, that that is a very much a part talking about the creativity and about the rituals and everything like that. That is as much as a ritual to me is learning, you know, literally like, oh my gosh, I got a call here in 10 minutes. 
all right, I've got 10 minutes to work this melodic structure out and figure out what they did to make it sound so cool. And that's, that's one thing I'll drop everything for is to figure that out. And I know you guys can't see him, but there's literally a guitar hanging. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. I got him kind of everywhere. Here's the thing. Like they make me happy. I mean, yes. I know that sounds corny, but I mean, they make me happy and, and it is very uh, utilitarian, you know, where I, I yeah. do grab it all the time and, and play it. And uh, so, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. And it's not just guitars. You know, I've got yeah. um, in the other room, I have a ukulele and, and, you know, different things like that, that, um, you know, cause a lot of times if, and if I hear a melody in my head there, it's, it's kind of the same thing. I'll grab a guitar and I play it and then I'll use my, my iPhone to voice memo it. So I don't forget it. <laughs> and, right. and so I kind of keep all these in a, a bundle. And so whenever I do go to write a song, I've got a catalog mm -hmm. of all these different ideas I've got. And then I've got all these lyric ideas that I've jotted down, you know, for however long since I've written. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, just kind of go through and at that time of writing, see what speaks to me at that time. Absolutely. Cool. Um, where can our listeners find you online? They can find me online. Um, of course, all socials, they can find me at Chad Jeffers, J E F F E R S or at backstage notes, which is a course that I put together in terms of being in the music business. Because a lot of the questions you ask me, people ask yeah. me quite a bit. And usually the question yeah. is also, you know, how did you get a gig with Carrie Underwood or with Keith Urban or Kenny Loggins? And this course is what I go through. And and I talk to experts, uh, a lot of mm -hmm. my friends, you know, hit songwriters, um, studio engineers, um, Taylor Swift's the, the manager that helped get her actually started. Like literally she had no manager. This guy took her from nothing to what she is today. Uh, Grammy award winning artist. And I talked to him and, and I don't ask the esco esoteric kind of questions like, <laughs> Hey, you know, um, you know, all the, the kind of the in theory kind of stuff. I'm like, Hey, when you moved to Nashville, what, what are the five things that you did that you saw move the needle in terms of your mm -hmm. songwriting? And you know, that's the kind of conversations that we have in this course. So backstagenotes.com. And right now I've got a free PDF that I'm giving out in terms of uh, steps to become performance ready. So these are, it's just a, a free PDF in terms of the things that I've done throughout the years that I've learned and that I've put all together in one list which was actually more difficult than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We definitely enjoyed having well, you. Well, thank you. And best of luck with the podcast. I think it's going to be great. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of You're With The DJ. We'll catch you back in action tomorrow. Thank you for taking time out of your day to share in the love of music. Until next time.